0: Viva Los Angelitos! This is Fernando with Halos in the infield. Do you love sunflower seeds as much as I do? Well, you can't say you do until you try Chinook Cedary. Chinook Cedary is truly the top dog in the industry. Here's why. They have so many delicious flavors to choose from. Jalapeno Ranch, Hatch Chili, Cinnamon Toast, Dill Pickle, and my personal favorite, Parmesan Pepper. If you need sunflower seeds when you play sports, or if you travel the country as much as I do and you need a quick and convenient snack on the go, Shunduk Cedary is truly for you. For easy ordering access, check out HalosInTheInfield.com. Click on the banner. And there you go. Just order the seeds. You can even order a variety pack sent straight to your house or any of those delicious flavors that I just mentioned sent straight to your house. Quick and convenient. Still don't believe me that Chinook Cedary is the best seed out there. Less salt, all the flavor. I promise. I've tried them all and I love them all. Signature roast. No sandpaper tongue. Gluten free. No MSG. Ever. Chinook Cedar is truly the top dog in the market, and we would know as the top dogs in the podcast universe. Have a great day, everybody. And remember, Chinook Cedar is great. Prendalo and viva Los Angelitos, and viva Chinook Cedar. How
1: how are you doing this afternoon? Uh, Getting ready for that game
2: today? Yeah, we've got the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, the American League champions, in town. And it's a lot of fun. But I, this is my 35th year broadcasting Major League Baseball. And some of my favorite years were broadcasting the Angels in Southern California. And to this day, we still have some of our best friends who live in the Anaheim, the uh, uh, Tribuco Canyon area. And we still go vacation with them. And my wife and I get back there quite often because uh, some of our best times were spent in Southern California as Angel fans at the Big A.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's great, because I'm telling you, every time the Angels play there like they did a a week ago or so when they played the Royals, uh, you know, Mark Gubazaw was on there saying how he, you know, chats with you guys often. And, you know, you guys always seem to have that good relationship. And that's that's pretty awesome because you guys are always brought up when the Angels play the Royals.
2: Well, it's funny because I was a broadcaster broadcasting Mark Gubazow's games when he was with the Royals. And then, of course, when he was one of our teammates in 1996 with the Angels. Mm -hmm. And then Mark Langston and I became very good friends. So some of my best friends in the marketplace are still with the Angels. And I just think it's a terrific organization. And I'm so grateful for my uh, 14 years there.
1: Oh, that's awesome to hear. Um, Well, speaking of those 14 years there, what, were, what was your uh, what was it like to become the Angels broadcaster at the time? And you know, obviously, the first couple of years weren't the best couple of years for the Angels at the time. But did you did you see that as you took over broadcasting the team rising a bit? It, it, you know, towards that 2002 season, could you feel that sort of like a surge coming?
2: Absolutely, because. Um, the first three years, I worked with Sparky Anderson. As a matter of fact, there's a picture of Sparky right behind me uh, when we were Angels broadcasters. And he was one of my favorite people to work with. And uh, Jerry Royce and I worked the road games. And then Rex Hudler and I worked together starting in the 1999 season. But it was really when Disney bought the team and they made Bill Stoneman, the general manager, and Mike Socia, the manager. And I thought that was a great marriage. Bill Stoneman and Mike Socia were on the same page. They wanted to build a team around pitching, defense, and base running. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, they had the most exciting team in the game. And even though they lost to the Seattle Mariners by, uh, I think it was like 40 games in 2001, you could see this team beginning to climb. And there was a unity there. And it all was surrounding Mike Socia, his great coaching staff, and building this team that had good starting pitching, mm-hmm. an incredibly great bullpen, and unity on the field with guys like Tim Salmon and Adam Kennedy and uh, David Eckstein and Darren Erstad. ersty might be the most uh the greatest gamer I've ever been around, where an athlete who truly cared more about the team than himself, and to this day, uh, Darren Erstad and I are good friends because he became the coach at the University of Nebraska and he'll come down to watch the Royals play and just a great guy and and I, I always pulled for Erste but that was a great team in 2002 and it was a blast to broadcast.
1: Oh man I bet because there was a lot of those games like they were the original comeback kids I mean there was a lot of games they were losing that rally monkey got going and it was just a tremendous atmosphere. And it was, it was kind of hard to believe that year, too, because it was a bit of a, a opportunity for a work stoppage. And, and the fans were kind of upset because the Angels hadn't been good in a while. But once that passed, I mean, it seemed like the team just took off. And uh, it was great to see and hear your calls. And my only regret is that we couldn't hear your voice. I mean, obviously, we had great voices on the radio at the time. But we would have loved to have you do like a, a you know, a TBS game or something in the postseason because we didn't have our guys calling the games. But still, I mean, it was great to see you guys, and 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 how how was it to um your relationship with a cowboy back in the back in the day Gene Autry?
2: Well, m- I was more I had a greater friendship with his wife because Gene was getting on in years and then passed away. But Jackie and I to this day are still very good friends. She was a tremendous fan of both Rex and myself and just a tremendous supporter and lover of baseball and the angels and the angels community. So it was really wonderful to watch. And Mike Sosha, you know, you talked about work stoppage, Mike Socia, I thought did a great job of keeping the guys focused on tasks, not letting them think about other things. And if they, let's say Troy Percival blew a save, he really made sure that Troy had the ability to turn the page, but that was a year. Remember that, Uh, John Lackey came up, I believe in June and he won like nine games and they had a good rotation. Jared Washburn, I think won like 18 games, but all of a sudden you were handing that baseball off to guys like Brendan Donnelly, Francisco Rodriguez and Troy Percival. And remember Frankie came up in, it may have been September 17th. I remember we were in Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. Bud Black was our pitching coach. And Francisco Rodriguez threw five pitches to Eric Chavez and struck him out. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I knew we had a roster spot available. And I went down to the Angels Clubhouse and I said, Hey, Blackie, um, is, is Frankie Rodriguez going to be on our postseason roster? And he looks at me and goes, You think? Did you see that <laughs> So it was that kind of joy. That you could see those things taking place and falling in place. And here was this kid, 20 years old, and all of a sudden, the teams we saw in the postseason, the Yankees, the Minnesota Twins, and of course the San Francisco Giants had never seen Frankie Rodriguez. And he was like death to those guys because he had five wins in the postseason. It, it It was an amazing year.
1: Yeah, was a, I'm glad you brought those pitchers up because it seemed like all the Angels pitchers needed to do was get it to the fifth inning. And and it seemed like the bullpen, Ben Weber guys, like you said, Donnelly, Francisco Rodriguez, Percival, it was just lights out. And, it, and uh, boy, they, they kind of remind me of your team that you got a chance to also broadcast uh, the great teams of the 2014, 2015 Kansas City Royals. It just seemed like give us five, six innings maybe and the bullpen will do the rest. And that was like, that was probably, I thought the Angels bullpen being a little biased was the best that I had seen in my lifetime, but when the Royals came up there, oh my goodness, they, they were really lights out.
2: And there was a lot of similarities because Mike Sosha and Ned Yost, who mm-hmm. managed, are both catchers. And I think because they were catchers, they really respected the things that both of those teams were strong in. Once again, base running, catchers fear base running. Both teams were, I thought, the best base running teams. They were also the best defensive teams in the game. Even though David Eckstein was limited with his range, if the ball was struck to short, he threw you out. And the scouts told me that the nickname for David Eckstein was just enough. (laughs) Like every time he made a throw from deep in the hole at short, his throw was, just enough to get the runner at first base or when when David I think hit three grand slams that year they were just barely enough to clear the wall for a home run so he was a great story but every single player on that team Troy Gloss was an excellent third baseman Mm -hmm. Scott Spezio had his best uh year of his life Benji Molina was a fantastic catcher the 2014 and 15 teams were very similar To the 2002 angels team because with the royals all they had to do was have starting pitchers that could get them to the sixth inning and then all of a sudden luke hochaber ryan madsen wade davis greg holland it was one after the other after the other and that's why when the royals played the angels in 2014 And remember, the first two games were one in extra innings, one on a Mike Moustakis home run, the other on an Eric Hosmer home run. And as soon as those home runs were struck, the game was over. Yeah. Because they were going to put in a bullpen arm that was just going to shut the door. And that's what took place.
1: And that was a scary series going into it. I remember, you know, my dad's a huge Angel fan. I remember he was like, well, you think the Royals are are here? Like, they're a one-hit wonder? Are they a good team? I said, no, they're very good. I'm really scared that we got matched up with them in the first round. And, believe, you know, we had a really hot team that year. And like you said, they get the lead. That was it. And, uh, you know, you guys earned that sweep and and you should have took the Giants up. The Giants, I mean, they, they got the breaks. I mean, I, you guys should have been back to back.
2: They had Madison Bumgarner. Yeah. Exactly. Bumgarner was unbelievable. He single-handedly beat the uh, Royals that year. But perhaps if we win in 14, we don't win in 15. Really? Because the 15 team really had an edge. And I think that 2002 Angel team also had an edge. Sure. Um, like I said, Mike Socia did a great job keeping them on task. And that team, and, and they had some great personalities. The leadership of, of Darren Erstad was incredible. Garrett Anderson was a leader. Tim Salmon was a leader. Benji Molina, you could go up and down that lineup. Yeah. Troy Percival, a great leader for the, for the bullpen. John Lackey, um, even though he was a rookie, he was a warrior. Fire. And, uh, yeah, John, to this day, is one of my favorite pitchers. And Jared Washburn, those two of all time. I just, oh, just love the way they competed.
1: Oh, absolutely. And you know a guy that reminds me that, that could have fit that Mike Solskjaer mold? Absolutely. And you saying comparing the two teams is Salvador Perez. I love Salvador Perez. He's such a gamer. And, and, and he's one of these guys that like Molina used to do those snap throws to first base and everything else like that. He comes from that same mold. He, he looks like a great clubhouse guy. The, guy, the team respects him. And the stats that they put up for him when the Angels are playing the Royals, I didn't realize he was hitting those milestones already, you know, and he's still fairly young. He's a a good catcher for you guys.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting you should say that because there is a unity in all what we're talking about because we were playing, the Royals were playing the St. Louis Cardinals Mm -hmm. and or Molina is like Salvador Perez idolizes him. So who do I see at the ballpark? in St. Louis is Benji Molina, who was our catcher in 2002. So Benji and I, we sit down and have lunch together. And we had this exact conversation about how Yadier Molina and Salvador Perez are two great catchers, and they're a little simpatico. And Benji was that guy because he took a lot of young pitchers and helped them grow in the big leagues. I remember um, talking with Benji about what Urban Santana was going to be for the Angels. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, and I, and I think Mike Socia and Benji Milena helped Urban become a terrific pitcher in the American League.
1: Absolutely. I mean, they, they, they elevate pitchers. I mean, it's just sometimes these teams that you see that are successful, it all starts with a catcher. And like you brought up Ned Yost being a catcher and manager. Uh, Mike Matheny was, uh, you know, in, in St. Louis with great success. A lot of your best managers are catchers because they know how to work with the, the pitchers and then that translates down when they become coaches later but uh, one more thing on the 2002 uh angels team is their staff their coaching staff was amazing i mean uh, alfredo griffin like he's uh you know uh, bud black and, and ron reneke and guys like that i mean he was just like the perfect kind of crew and and you look over at the royals what they did in 14 and 15 similar type of group of guys that just kept the team together kept that like you said, chip on the shoulder and a, and a good fight. Never say die like atmosphere.
2: And that's what great managers do. Mike did that with his staff. He let Mickey Hatcher work with the hitters. He let Bud Black work with the pitchers and he managed the ball club. There are managers who I believe are kind of micromanagers where they have to be involved every single day. But Mike Sosha, because of the confidence that he had in himself, he allowed his um coaches to do their job. Joe Madden was his bench coach. And I used to talk with Joe every single day and go in there and he would have a, um, uh, a, a quote for the day, an uplifting quote. And I remember Joe telling me he'd type up the lineup, the mm-hmm. Angels lineup, and he'd put a, a thought for the day at the bottom. And it might be an inspiring thought. It might be a, something about baseball. But he said, I forgot one day. And I thought, you know what? I wonder if these guys even read it. And he goes, no sooner had I posted that without a thought for the day than Darren Erstad comes in at the door and he goes, where's the thought for the day? And I go, and he goes, you read that stuff? And Darren (laughs) goes, those fire me up. And he goes, well, I'll keep putting them. But you get back to Soch. Soch was that guy who trusted Joe Madden to do his job. He trusted Bud Black to be his pitching coach. He trusted Mickey Hatcher. And with that trust comes unity and that 2002 team had tremendous unity and the same thing was true with the Kansas City Royals in 2014 and 2015. Both teams are my two favorites of all time and it's because of individuals leaving their ego in the locker room and coming together as a group and um, the Angels in 2002 are, are a team I will always love and always remember and same thing is true with the 14 and 15 Royals.
1: Oh, that's awesome. You know, and like I said, you know, we appreciate what you're doing in Kansas city. Cause obviously now with, with the internet or MLB package, we can catch Royals games out of market games if we want to. And we've heard you a lot of times calling games with HUD or we, you know, sometimes I miss you and be like, Oh, where's he at? And he, he's doing radio, you know, you're doing radio and stuff like that. But we just want to let you know, we really appreciated your time here in Anaheim uh, calling the angel games, uh, you know, because it, it would spawn memories, you know, the old five season two and, and it was just really, really good to uh, to hear your voice and what you guys did. I mean, you guys brought a, a calming voice sometimes to the game and then also brought the excitement and the energy. And it was awesome to listen to.
2: Well, I was very grateful for my time in Anaheim in Southern California, working with three different ownership groups. And they were all fantastic with the Autry family, with the Disney organization, and with Artie Marino and his staff. And I, I'm just very grateful for my time that I spent in Southern California and obviously, um, working with the angels.
1: Awesome. And I have uh, one more thing, uh, to, to sort of like a comment slash question. Kauffman stadium is one of those stadiums is on my bucket list to go to. How pretty is it to go walk into that stadium and see those fountains and the way they revamped it? I mean, it looks beautiful on TV. How, how pretty is it to be actually there?
2: It's really fantastic. And it's interesting that the guy who, uh, uh, worked on the big A uh, back in the late 1990s. Um, Kevin Ulick was the vice president at the time. And Kevin Ulick was the one who helped design Kauffman Stadium. He became the vice president of the Royals. He's a guy from Southern California and a terrific gentleman. And he uh, grew up uh, an Angels fan, was a bat boy with Tim Meade at the time and continued on up through the organization. But his brilliance was a very artistic mind. So he helped, Uh, Design uh, the new Angel Stadium, help design the Washington Nationals ballpark, and help design our ballpark as well. And being an environmentalist, I I was very proud that Kauffman Stadium was the first baseball ballpark to put in solar panels. And I thought that was really cool. So uh, I'm very proud. This is where I grew up. I'm from Kansas City. I grew up a Royals and Chiefs fan. And I'm glad I was able to end my career here because. My mom was getting on in years. She just passed away last year, and I'm glad I was able to be close to her. Also, my sister is here in town, and my wife, Stacy, her family is in uh, St. Louis, so we were close to them. So it was cool to be able to come home and, and finish my career here. It's not done yet.
1: but yeah, hopefully um, not.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I still enjoy broadcasting baseball, and the Royals are a team right now on the rise.
1: Yes, they are. And my condolences uh, for the loss of your mother. Uh, just you. to get that out there. And then also, uh, you know, it's good to be home with family. I know the feeling, but in Kansas city, I know you've had a lot of success with the chiefs and now the Royals and, you know, also, you know, was your books. That's what, you know, I, I was reading up on you because just checking things out and you have a new book out and it's not your first. So if fans are hearing about this for the first time, I'd like to uh, to get your thoughts on first. Yeah, there you go. Walks in, walks with the wind. It's not your traditional baseball book. I'd like to get your thoughts on it and what's about.
2: Well, I have always been fascinated by pitching. It's my favorite position. Okay. Um, it's a young man. He's on the mound. He's alone. There are people on the base paths. There are people shouting at him from the dugout. Fans are yelling at him. And he is in a challenge. And only he can get out of it. And the guys I've admired the most who are who are able to have that tunnel vision and get out of trouble are the ones that have always fascinated me. Greg Maddox, to me, is the greatest of all time, yeah. a guy with a below average velocity fastball, but remarkable command of that pitch. And also this unique ability to throw the baseball exactly where he wants to. Well, this young man in my book is a fictional story of Sam Cloud Carson, who is a Uh, wonderful young man. He is of the Southern Ute tribe in um, Southwest Colorado, and he is blessed as a baseball player. He's a great athlete, and he can throw the ball exactly where he wants to, and he feels most comfortable being alone. He has no problem with crisis. He also works for his family's outfitting company, and he is a brilliant wildlife tracker. And wildlife tracker, if you've studied that industry, have this ability to open their awareness bubble, which is almost the reverse of a pitcher, and use the five senses, sight, sound, um, smells, whatever it might be, and also intuition to know where to go. Mm -hmm. And a baseball pitcher also does. So this young man, his quest is to play in the major leagues. Unfortunately, there's a bad guy who wants to use his other skills to track for his private military company in the hills of Afghanistan. So it's a story of family, of loss, of separation, of depression, but also of baseball, and chasing your dream despite everything that might take place. Why did I choose the Native American community? Mm -hmm. Because everything in the research that I've done was ripped from the Native American culture. Their families, their faith, um, their land, and what do you do when you're faced with crisis and challenges like that? Well, Sam Cloud Carson, my protagonist, is faced with those challenges. How he rises from the ashes to, to reach his goal is, is told in the story. And I've been blessed that Walks with the Wind has received five-star reviews from reader favorites, from reader views, and most recently from a Union Square book reviews, gave it five stars. So we're, we're really excited about the growth. Um, and it's it's writing has become my uh, my golf. Oh, really? When broadcasters get older. A lot of times they play golf. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, I, I write. So when I'm on the bus, when I'm on the airplane, I write. And I've I've handed a lot of this over to people like Jeff Montgomery, who's our Royals Hall of Fame pitcher, to get the pitching sequences correct and also uh, colonels in military who have been over in Afghanistan to get their ideas in this. And I've also worked with the Southern Ute uh, community in, Southern, in Southwest Colorado to make sure I'm both respectful and accurate of Native American culture in that, uh, in that area. So it's, it's a story of a young man's vision quest. And I think your fans would really enjoy it because you're right, it is about baseball but it's not just about baseball. It's about life. It's about a young man's vision quest.
1: Yeah. And those are some deep, uh, deep thoughts and and deep layers to that story. So, I mean, um, it's, it's uh, interesting to hear you uh, tell it, and I I can't wait to read it myself. Uh, I just got hit with this because, you know, your reviews on the book were amazing, like you brought up. And then also you have two other books that are uh, amazing as well, that, that have been put out there. So, you know, I, I appreciate the time that you've given us uh, to, uh, or given me to interview you. And uh, like I said, I'm a huge fan. I can't wait to get my uh, book because you can get it on Amazon, Kindle, all these other places. Um, uh, so check out walks with the wind by Steve Fiziak. And uh, we look forward to uh, seeing you here, hopefully in Anaheim. Uh, I don't know if you're going to come out for the road trip or how everything's going to be with COVID. Because
2: Yeah. You know, I, I hope to be there because I want to see all my friends. I want to give, gooby a hug i want to give mark langston a hug i want to give everybody a hug because like i said our our some of our most joyous years and where my kids were raised was southern california we still have great uh friends there and for me great memories and particularly of our greatest season ever 2002 when uh, the angels won a world championship
1: absolutely and, uh, oh, one other question about your book, uh, has the Native American community, uh, uh, besides you reaching
2: out to them, have they uh, been positive about the book too? Have they gotten a chance to read it, the tribe? Yes, as a matter of fact, I work with uh, the Sundance chief, a gentleman by the name of Hanley Frost, and he was outstanding. And He was also the education coordinator of the uh, cultural center. And here's what he had to say. I can read you his, it's on, oh my goodness. Oh, here it is. Hanley Frost said, I am very grateful. Steve chose me to read his book. He was very respectful of our youth culture and truly understands that our spiritual beliefs and songs are what kept us going. When you find your inner spirit, you will find your peace. That's Hanley Frost, the former Sundance chief and Southern youth cultural education coordinator. And, uh, Their community was outstanding to work with, but I wanted to make sure that as a uh, non-member of the Ute tribe, that I was respectful and accurate with everything. And so that's why Hanley went over everything in the book to make sure it was that way.
1: And see, that's what makes this book even better because like you said, you went to the tribe itself to make sure it was authentic with them. And the same thing with uh, Afghanistan soldiers and generals over there. So kudos to you. Can't wait to read it and suggest this as a good read to our fans on Angel Central. And again, thank you so much, Steve Fiziok. This has been a wonderful opportunity to, uh, to interview the great Steve Fiziok. And also real quick, you also do basketball games too for for
2: FS1 still. You know what I did for a number of years, but now that I'm a grandfather and I have three granddaughters who are 10, eight and five, and I want to dedicate my wife and I um, are in our empty nest year, So I have, uh, cut out football and cut out basketball. Oh, I'm just okay. in baseball, which is 180 games, so that's plenty. Yeah. But for the other five months, we go up to see our granddaughters, and I want to make sure that those young girls um, know that um, their pop and yah yah love them. So that's <laughs> what my wife and I and 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 this time in my life, I mean my gosh, for 45 years, I did football, basketball, and baseball. I was constantly gone, and I want to see my 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 granddaughters grow up.
1: Hey, no argument with that. Congratulations, uh, Grandpa, on that one, too. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, enjoy your family.
2: Enjoy the game tonight. Best of
1: luck to the Royals and yourself.
2: Hey, thank you very much. And best of luck to the Angels. I'm still a big fan of that organization.
1: Oh, thanks, Steve. Take care.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Viva Los Angelitos! How's it going, guys? This is Fernando with Halos in the Infield. Are you sad that this podcast is almost over? Well, don't worry. Halos in the Infield is taking over the social media universe. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, Reddit. If it exists, chances are we're probably on it. Make sure to tune in to our pregame shows with James and our postgame shows with Todd Fox. Make sure to listen to our podcasts all season long and all off season long. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Halos in the Infield and the Hitty Baseball Network also on YouTube. So many exciting things to come. We are so glad you guys are along for the ride. And hell, while you're at it, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you guys so much. Viva Los Angelitos. Y prendalo.